We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi there, and welcome to the Roto-Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Chris Crawford. Today is Sunday, September 17th. Thank you so much for those of you who are joining us. We really appreciate it. We're going to be taking a look, and by we, I mean me. It's a solo show today. I appreciate Drew handling solo duties on Saturday. I will take over the solo duties on Sunday, and we'll be back to a normal schedule again next week. And just a reminder before we get started, live episodes every single day of the week for the rest of the regular season. We've so appreciated your support and everybody who's tuned in for them. But I wanted to take a look at some keeper decisions. Look, I know there's still two-plus weeks of regular season baseball left. I'm not jumping on it. As a Seattle Mariner fan, I'm very excited for these last two weeks. Nervous, but excited. But I did want to think a, a little bit ahead and take a look at some keeper decisions. So what I asked you guys to do, and I appreciate everybody who responded, was to give me some players you were considering keeping in a certain round, some players that you were considering keeping against each other, and then some prospects that you were considering for just 2024. But let's start with those keepers for just in a round. Uh, first one comes to me, keep Julio for a first-round pick. Yeah, I'm absolutely keeping Julio Rodriguez for a first-round pick. I'm going to assume you meant Julio Rodriguez there. Julio Tejeron, no. Julio Rodriguez, absolutely. Look, fantasy managers who used a first-round pick on Julio Rodriguez were no doubt disappointed by the first month and a half or so. And some of it had to do with Julio. You know, he did have some chase issues. There were some issues whether or not um, he was recognizing pitches all that well. But in the second half, he's been as good as anybody. He has been an absolute star. And keep in mind, this is a 22-year-old. And this is now two-plus years of sensational production. The only thing I would say is, and this is, of course, going to de be determined by, you know, probably the end of the season, assuming your season is still going. Am I keeping him with a top two pick? No. Absolutely not. There, there are two guys that I absolutely think you have to keep with the first two picks, and that is Ronald Cooney Jr. and Mookie Betts. Those have to be, in my humble estimation, the first two names off the board. Everything after that, Julio Rodriguez is in that discussion, and I'd rather have Julio Rodriguez than just feel real nincompoopy if I end up dropping him, or if I end up not keeping him, excuse me, and he has another monster season, and not even just a monster season. He's capable of having MVP-like years every year he's on the on the field. The fact that he's going to get better at baseball is absolutely a scary proposition for a lot of folks. 
I think you have to keep Julio Rodriguez with a first-round pick. Uh, Otani is just a hitter in the second. I think it's less obvious, but I'm still saying yes. And now, obviously, with this one, we need to see what's going to happen, right? We need to see uh, whether or not, first of all, I want to see where he signs. That's going to play a little bit of a factor on how where I'm keeping who uh, keeping Shohei Otani is just a hitter. Assuming it's not, um, you know, some terrible team that's not going to give him a ton of RBI chances or they used to say that, you know, it's more about what they're going to be, what the plan is going to be with Otani, right? Like, is he going to be able to pit from day one? Is he going to be able to steal bases? Because, you know, I think that's an undervalued thing with Shohei Otani. He certainly has the speed to be a 30 to 40 stolen base guy, especially with today's new rules. Are teams going to take the chance considering even knowing he's not going to be able to pitch next year, he's going to get an absolute monster contract. I still think that uh, they're going to be pretty careful that they're going to want to be like, Hey, we need you for the long term here. However, in the second round, if you're t- asking me if I think Julio Rodriguez is one of the top, or excuse me, I keep saying Julio. Maybe I just have Julio on the mind. If you're asking me if Otani is going to be one of the top 20 or so offensive players next year, yeah, I'll take I will take that bet. And I'd rather again, there will be some FOMO here for sure. I can't imagine you're gonna get somebody who is clearly a better offensive option than Shohei Otani. This is one, thankfully, that you're not going to have to be making a decision on soon because you may find out that, hey, Shohei Otani is going to be shut down until July, and then obviously you're not keeping him in the second round. But if Shohei Otani is going to be a hitter from day one, I would absolutely keep him in the second round. Uh, Randy Arozarena in the third. I thought about this one a lot. It's fair value. It's obviously, without question, a chance that he will be one of the best 36 players i'm assuming a 12 team league but it's not uh it's not a foregone conclusion and i've seen so many ups and so many downs with the rose arena that i think i'd probably pass here i'd have less fomo here um if you drop him there's a chance that he might even make it back to you where you would have drafted and if you draft him there that's fine it's not lost value but there's a ch- good chance you're going to get a better player. I think there is a good chance that you'll get a better player than Randy or Rosarina. You just got to, with a Rosarina, take so much better with better. Like when he's locked in, and again, there's been a lot of debate about whether or not locked in actually exists. When he's locked in, Randy or Rosarina is as good as anybody. But there are just stretches where a Rosarina, you wonder what the heck is going on, man? Because... You know, he can lose his uh, plate discipline. Plate discipline is not all that great to begin with, but it can get real bad sometimes. And then the swing and miss can add up. So long story short, I'm probably passing. And if a Rosarina makes it back to me in a draft, draft him. Like if he's the best option, there's, there's no harm in that. I think some people like assume that if you didn't keep a guy, you can't draft him. That's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Go get him again if he's the best value on the table, but I think there might be better ones. Uh, Michael Harris in the third. I think I would be doing this one. Now, look, Michael Harris was terrible to begin the year, and there were a lot of signs. My buddy Ryan Boyer and I talked about him a lot, that there were 
can some current can some some concerning things regarding Michael Harris coming into the year. But I think people aren't paying enough attention to how gosh darn good this guy has been for a while now. Like average back in that 290 range, the power has shown up. The steals haven't quite been there that we would we're hoping for with the new rules, but obviously a guy who can contribute there. Like he's a really good player, and he's a young player too. Like Julio obviously gets more of the attention, and he should. Julio's a better fantasy player and a better real life player than Michael Harris. But Michael Harris has been a really strong option. I would want to be drafting him in the back of the third round. Like, I don't think I'm taking him in the top 30, but well, maybe it, it, it's going to depend on a lot of things. However, I will say this. You are absolutely justified in keeping Michael Harris in the third round. He has been a spectacular player. He gets to play in an awesome offense. He gets to, you know, get some chance to get driven in by Ronald Acuna Jr. and some really good hitters. Even if he's sitting at the bottom of that order, he's one of the few players that, hitting at the bottom of that order really isn't so bad because the Atlanta has so much depth that he gets a chance to drive in some guys and he gets a chance to be driven in by some guys as well. I think Harris is a five category player. I think I would keep him in the third round. Uh, Christian Walker in the fifth. This is another tough one by, if you go by results and you look at Yahoo, he has been right around a fifth round pick and that's with some ups and downs as well. I think I'd probably pass here. I think I would probably be looking to be either drafting a first baseman in those early rounds, like a Freddie Freeman or a um, Matt Olson type of guy, rather than drafting a guy like Christian Walker in the fifth round. I just, I, there's, there's too much quantity of first baseman to suggest that I really want Christian Walker in the fifth. If it was like the seventh or eighth, sure. Absolutely. Christian Walker makes a lot of sense there. That's just a couple rounds higher that I feel real comfortable drafting him. Um, good player. Uh, and the fact that the lineup is improving so much for the uh, Diamondbacks also helps. He's going to get the chance to drive in some really good players and get driven in by some decent ones as well. I think that uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks are going to be a team that I target a bunch in fantasy drafts next year. But in the fifth round, I don't think so. I don't think that that's great value. And, more no, normally when I'm keeping somebody, it's not me looking for fair value, it's me looking for great value, especially in baseball and football. I think it's a little different. You got to be looking for fair value, especially in keeper leagues where you know some teams are going for it, some teams aren't. There just isn't as much of that in baseball, I think. For what I've seen, I could be absolutely talking out of my you know what, but that's what I would be looking to do. I would be looking to keep um, somebody that makes excess value in the fifth round and i don't think christian walker gives you that it's close i mean he certainly could outproduce what he's projected to do next year but i can't bet on it i can't bet on a right right first baseman out uh being a top 30 to player it's just not that common especially when walker won't help you in the stolen base category uh so that covers those uh we're going to be taking a look at some Keep this guy or keep this guy decision-making and also some prospects that might be able to help you in 2024. But before we do that, let's take a very quick commercial break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We know the weather can impact how far a ball can fly, but we never really know what all that heat and humidity or cold air is really doing to the ball. The Home Run Forecast Index gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air is for ball flight. The index is calculated by measuring stadium-specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being the most unfavorable for good ball flight and 10 indicating that most favorable air. There is a strong correlation between the index and the number of runs scored per game and the number of home runs hit. Games that have that highest index of 10 for the whole game average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year. An index is created for each game so you can see what it will be in any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game as well as the wind direction. Right now, you can get early access to the HRF Premium site for only $5 a month and see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. Go to homerunforecast.com now to sign up. All right, let's take a look at those keeper decisions. We got some good ones here. Um, it's mostly star, but then we get kind of into the mid stuff. And sometimes the mid stuff is a little bit more interesting, uh, not using mid the way the kids use it. We're talking about middle round type of things, but let's start with a really good one. 
Bobby Witt Jr. or Kyle Tucker? I think you can justify either, but I will go with Bobby Witt Jr. In fact, Bobby Witt Jr. is somebody I'm absolutely taking high in the I probably in if I have a top six pick, I'm considering Bobby Witt Jr. based on what I've seen from him. And the fact that Bobby Wood Jr. has eligibility in the infield compared to the outfield, I think is a nice little added bonus. Didn't get off to a great start, but he's been spectacular. Spectacular. It's such a fun time to be a fan of baseball right now. Now, that's always a fun time to be a fan of baseball. But these young talents, man, you look at Corbin Carroll, you look at Julio Rodriguez, you look at... uh, Bobby Witt Jr. You look at so many of these guys that just have superstar potential and are already playing at a high level. Kyle Tucker is a very nice option too. And I think he provides a little bit more safety because I like the lineup he's playing in better. Kansas City has some interesting young options, but I do like I do like uh the Astros better than the Royals. What a hot take that is. Chris Crawford likes the Astros more than he likes the Kansas City Royals. Although these first two games of the series suggest otherwise. And Kyle Tucker probably does provide the higher floor, like I said. But I'll take the ceiling. I'll take the ceiling of Bobby Witt Jr. I'd love to have them both. I don't know if this is a, they were drafted in the same round and you can only keep one type of situation or, you know, you're just having fun. But if I have to take one, I'm taking Bobby Witt Jr. I would have extreme FOMO about not having Bobby Wood Jr. I have a little bit with Kyle Tucker too. And hopefully if you do, if it is a keeper situation, you can trade one of them, you know, get some, get a higher draft pick or some extra fab or whatever. But yeah, I'm going with Bobby Wood Jr. Bobby Wood Jr. would be in my answer over pretty much the overwhelming majority of the league. The overwhelming majority of the league, all due respect to Kyle Tucker. Another one here uh, involving an Astro, uh, Jordan Alvarez or Cody Bellinger. I'll take Alvarez in this one. And it's not because I'm not a Cody Bellinger believer. It's not because I think he's going to turn into a pumpkin. I I think that it's a bit of a fallacy when we talk about contract year stuff. Heck, I, I think we've seen plenty of examples of the contract year pumpkin stuff being absolute nonsense uh, in 2022 and 2023. Excuse me. That's the year we're in 2023. Alvarez has some injury risk and he's not going to provide a ton of stolen bases for you. But in terms of just power production, giving you the chance to drive in runs, giving you a chance to hit homers, and he's far from a hurt in the average category as well. I just think Alvarez is so much safer of a play with a ton of upside on top of it. Like this is not a, um, this is not a boom or bust player. You might miss some games. You might miss some games for Cody Bellinger, too. And Bellinger's a nice player, really nice player. But I do still think there's some volatility there. I do think that, and some of this will also depend on where Bellinger signs. If Bellinger goes and signs a big contract with a bad team, I obviously lose less interest. If he signs with a really good team, my interest peaks up. Obvious point is obvious, but it's worth pointing out that we don't know who Cody Bellinger is going to be playing for. I think I'd rather have Alvarez, though. I think Alvarez just offers a little bit more floor and a similar, if not higher, upside as well. But it's close. It is fairly close. Uh, Marcus Simeon or Francisco Lindor? This is a really interesting one, too, because they're pretty darn similar. I think I'm going Simeon because of the upside again. 
I, I like the fact that they, he's going to get a chance to um, hit in a deep lineup. Even if when he's sitting on top, there's some good guys to drive in there. And there's obviously some really nice guys to drive in there as well. Lindor's been a really good player, kind of an underrated fantasy option this year. Uh, good, good chance to finish with a 30-30 season. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, Bellinger as well, or excuse me, Simeon as well, obviously has a chance to do something like that. I've seen, and it's weird to say because I think everybody remembers just how terrible Marcus Simeon was to start the 2022 season. I still think he offers just a little bit more consistency, and I'd rather have that consistency, knowing that Marcus Simeon is on top of, you know, the high floor, uh, a bunch of ceiling, a bunch of ceiling, just such a really good baseball player. And so is Francisco Lindor. Uh, you can justify both, I think. But if you had, if you put some sort of weird weapon to my head and said, Chris Crawford, you can only have one of Marcus Simeon or Francisco Lindor, I am going to take Marcus Simeon. I think they're both guys that can be justified to be kept late second, early third, though. Absolutely. Stephen Kwan or Seiya Suzuki. So, you know, some of this one comes down to category help, I think. If you're looking for a guy, and th this is a little weird to say because I think they have pretty similar averages right now, but I would say that if you're looking for the power production, you're going Suzuki. If you're looking for help in the average, you're going for Quan. I know Quan hasn't had a superb average this year, but I still believe in his bat-to-ball skills an awful lot. Now, you're going to need some Babic luck because you know he doesn't have big power. He doesn't drive the baseball into the gaps a ton. But I like his ability to make consistent contact. I like the fact that he uses the entire field. And Suzuki can do the same for the most part. But if you're talking about power potential, if you're looking for somebody who's going to be driving in some runs, then Suzuki's the guy. Because, And I think what Suzuki has done after being, and who knows if this is what it actually is, I think what he's done since being challenged, you know, moved down in the lineup and not playing some against right-handers, has been really impressive. And he's kind of shown that, hey, I belong here as one of these top outfield options. He doesn't compete with like some of the names we've mentioned above, but he's been really strong, really strong into the season. And I think there's a chance he can be a 30 homer guy who hits for like 270, 280. You can do a heck of a lot worse than that. But I think Quan can also be a guy who hits 315, 320, steals 30 bases, score some runs sitting at the top of the lineup as well. So it's going to really just depend on your category stuff. But if it's like, hey, you have to pick one, I'd probably go with Suzuki. Again, the upside here. I'll go with the upside play. Quan the higher floor, Suzuki the higher ceiling. It's similar enough that I'll take the upside play. Uh, and then finally, before we get into prospect ones, let's take a look at Ryan McMahon or Jorge Polanco. I like this one because a lot of times a lot of these questions are like the real obvious ones. And don't get me wrong, Quan Suzuki, all of these have been good questions. I, I appreciate everybody asking. Chris, come on. Why are you insulting your audience? There, the, there is a lot to like about all of these questions. Don't get me wrong. But I like when we're talking about like, top 150 picks that type of thing you know what i mean i think that just makes a little more sense so some of this is going to depend on where these guys are playing next year if mcmahon is still in colorado that obviously adds to his intrigue and if polanco is still with minnesota you know that doesn't hurt his intrigue 
but I can see Polanco being a guy who's moved next year. They have some infield depth. It wouldn't shock me if Polanco was playing somewhere else. I think I'd still go with Polanco, just a little bit more complete option. I know I can, can get some good stuff from McMahon for stretches, especially when he's playing at home, but I just haven't seen it done consistently enough. I have not seen McMahon consistently enough produce for me to suggest that I really need to keep him. He seems like the type of guy that I cannot keep and get in the later rounds. Just a hunch. Whereas Polanco, I mean, there's a chance he's not going in like the first five rounds. He's probably not going in the first 10 rounds. But there's a good chance you miss out on him. And I just think he's a, a little bit more complete player. I'll probably take my chances on Polanco more than I will take my chances on McMahon. But you can justify McMahon. You know, there have been some really good stretches this year. Probably a little bit more likely to hit for power. And again, if he's still in Colorado, there's a lot to like there. But also a guy I can see getting moved. You know, Colorado is nowhere close to competing for anything. If somebody is offering prospects for McMahon to be a utility guy or to maybe even be a starting second baseman, yeah. And unfortunately, I think if he's out of course field, I think I'm completely out on him. I sometimes think we overrate the course field effect. I don't know if it is with Ryan McMahon. I'd I much, again, another brilliant point from Chris Crawford. I'd rather have Ryan McMahon in course field than not in course field. But this is a close one. This is a really close one. I think all of those are really interesting. I'll just go over them again. Uh, I will go Bobby Witt Jr. over Kyle Tucker. I will go Jordan Alvarez over Cody Bellinger. I'll go Marcus Simeon over Francisco Lindor. It's very category dependent, but I will go Seiya Suzuki over Stephen Kwan, and I will go Polanco over Ryan McMahon. All right, so let's talk about some prospects. You guys asked me about some guys that, and remember, uh, we are talking for these prospects just 2024. Every single one of these guys is an obvious, obvious keep long-term. You are hanging on to these guys in Dynasty and Keeper Leagues, the most obvious point that I could possibly make in a podcast where I seem to be making a lot of them. Uh, but let's start with Jackson Holiday, who is, in my humble estimation, and a lot of people's humble estimations, uh, now the number one prospect in baseball, at least in real life. I think Jackson Churio gives him a run for his money in fantasy, but the very best real-life prospect. And yes, I am looking to have him for my 24 roster early on. I'm not waiting to see him get called up. I think you are going to have to draft him. And we talk about FOMO a lot on this. The fear of missing out on a player who has done what Jackson Holiday has done in his first professional season is palpable. At least for me, it is. So I would absolutely be looking. If you could keep him like uh, as one of your, you know, let's say you have five keepers or something like that, and it's uh, a late round thing. Yeah, I'm absolutely keeping Jackson Holiday, even though I know that he's not going to make the major league roster. I hope this becomes a huge freezing cold take. Don't get me wrong. It would be awesome to see Jackson Holiday make the Baltimore Orioles out of spring training. I just have a lot of doubts that's actually going to happen. I think he has a chance because he is a shortstop who can hit for average, hit for power, provide some steals, has such a strong approach at the plate. That doesn't always carry over, but you know, with the pedigree and what you've seen so far, it absolutely suggests that Jackson Holiday can be that type of player because of all of those tools. 
I think you have to have Jackson Holiday on your roster for 2024. He's somebody I will be drafting late, but drafting for sure in 20 in redraft leagues. There's just way too much upside. And the fact that I have to wait until like, you know, early May or something like that doesn't bother me all that much. Uh, Jason Dominguez. So if you ask me this question, uh, it's kind of weird. If you ask me this question at the beginning of September, I would say no. And if you asked me this question now, I say no. If you would have asked me it about a week ago, I would have said absolutely yes. Unfortunately, because of the injury, I don't think you can justify keeping him because you're probably not going to see him on the field until after the all-star break. And as good as Dominguez looked as a major league player this year, and he did, there's no doubt about it. He showed that Martian upside that we've been hoping to see for a while. And a while isn't fair for a kid that age. Come on. But there's no doubt about it that there's been unfair expectations for this guy. And you see, and you've seen him in the minors at times too. They're just not enough on a consistent basis to suggest that he's like a top 10 prospect or anything like that. But you certainly saw what he's capable of as a major league player in even in a short time. If you have like unlimited IL spots, sure, hang on to Jason Dominguez. And in an AL only league, maybe you consider drafting him too. Like, again, it would depend on the IL spots, but because you're not going to see him for a while, I just don't think you can justify it. I don't think you can justify him as a draft pick for 2024, but you better get fab ready. Because when he comes back up, he is absolutely going to cost you a pretty penny. Uh, Junior Caminero, the most improved prospect in baseball. It's not even close. The only thing with Tampa Bay is there's just so many options they have. There's there's so many guys that they want to get playing time for. But this would be a FOMO guy for me, too. This would be the type of thing that I would be very upset with myself if I was not able to keep this guy or get this guy in the middle of June or July whenever he gets that call up. And it could be sooner. It definitely could be sooner. Uh, Plus, plus hit tool, plus power. Not elite speed, but a chance to steal some bases. You know... It's, you know, you have to be ready for some bitter with the better because he hasn't played in AAA yet. We'll see how that goes. But Camonero special. This is a top five overall prospect now. And it wouldn't shock me if he usurped some of those guys. Like, Curtis Mead's a really good prospect. If they think Junior Camonero's ready, they're playing Junior Camonero over Curtis Mead. All due respect to Curtis Mead, who could be a trade candidate. And I would be interested in Curtis Mead if he plays for another team for sure. I'm interested in him a little bit, even if he's playing for uh, the race. Lots of offensive upside. But I think you have to consider a draft pick with Caminero. Even as a double-A guy, I think he's, uh, and again, depends on roster spots. It depends on what your league format is. But if you're like in a standard league with 25 roster spots, is he one of the 300 best options for 2024? You bet your sweet, you know what he is. A hundred percent. Absolutely considering drafting Junior Caminero or keeping him if you somehow have him on a roster right now. Assuming it's late round, absolutely Junior Caminero, one of the 300 best. Tyler Black. He has to be one of the 300 best, but I'm probably passing at this point. 
there's just not as much FOMO with me. I, I like Tyler Black a lot. Really good on base percentage. Uh, a guy who can hit for average. Has developed some sneaky pop. Very good speed and very good base running acumen. So I think the stolen bases are going to be there for Black. A chance to make an early uh, introduction to, to the Brewers offense as well, which certainly doesn't hurt. But this is, again, not a guy that I think you can get better options. Uh, we've mentioned it before, but in terms of a keeper league, yeah, Tyler Black is definitely a guy to keep because I think at this point he's probably a top 50 fantasy prospect. But I'm not so sure about it immediately translating. And I don't have that, oh, why didn't I keep Tyler Black? Or, oh, why didn't I draft him? Now, this could change based on the roster construction. If Tyler Black is given a real chance to compete for that starting spot, yeah, absolutely. Then, then things change a little bit. But we're just talking about right now, I don't see it. I don't see it necessarily for long-term thing. But uh, when he does get that call, yeah using some fab to go get that guy for sure. Uh, Luis Angel Acuna, this is a pretty easy no for me. I like Acuna. I think he's got a chance to be a very solid fantasy option. I just don't see it in 2024. I think this is a 2025 play. Um, I think his fantasy prospectus definitely went up with that trade. No question about that. The, to be uh, not in the middle infield situation or even the outfield situation of Texas certainly helps. All due respect to the Mets, but I think that is an absolutely better uh, landing spot for him. But I'd be I'd be looking at him as a 2025 option, like I said. If he does get the call at some point in 2024, you're using some fab for him because of the power, or the chance to hit for average, excuse me, and to steal bases. The power is the one thing I'm actually concerned about here. I would not be keeping Luis on Helicunia or using a draft pick on him, but there's a chance that he could be a helper in 2024. James Wood, this is probably the hardest one for me because Wood's 2023 season has not been great. It hasn't been horrible, but it has not been great. It has not been good enough to justify calling him a top 10 prospect. But I still believe in that talent so much, and prospect development is not linear, and this guy looked so good in 2022 and has so many of the tools that you're looking for that I wouldn't be shocked if 2023 is just a eh, year and James Wood is an uh, almost immediate contributor for the Washington Nationals and fantasy rosters. You're going to want to see the spring training situation. You're going to want to be paying attention to what Washington does in the offseason and all of that stuff. But it does seem like James Wood has a good chance to make a contribution next year and an early contribution next year because of how they have the roster set up right now. If you're just looking at the stats for 2023, you're missing the big picture with James Wood, a player who's six foot seven with elite power potential, but he's not just a grip and rip power hitter. He does have the ability to hit for average. He does have the ability to steal bases. I just think this guy's going to be a fantasy star still. It's not based on the 2023 numbers. It's based on the eye test and what he did in 2022. He didn't forget how to play baseball, folks. Just, you know, just didn't have the great year that we were hoping for. I would not be shocked at all if Wood is a guy who was up uh, in May or so putting up big numbers for the Nationals. Wouldn't be shocked by it whatsoever. But is he worthy of a draft pick or keeping for the next year? NL only, yes. 
redraft normal format? Probably not. And obviously redraft, you're not keeping him because you know, that's how that works. But in a, just a normal standard league, I'm probably not keeping him for just 2024. Going to say it one more time. Yes, you are keeping James Wood in keeper leagues. So easy. But in terms of 2023, it would probably only have to be NL only. It would have to be probably just that chance of half the league. Then he makes a lot more sense. In redraft, I'm I am using a lot of fab on him when he gets that call up. And maybe you consider adding him um if he puts up if he puts up some big numbers in AAA or if even if he starts in double A, then maybe consider adding him so you don't have to spend all that fab. But I don't think I'm using a roster resource on him. I don't think I'm using a draft pick on him. I don't think I'm keeping him just for 2024. But look out. That offensive upside competes with any prospect in baseball. That's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, you can follow me on uh, whatever they're calling it now, at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Uh, please make sure you're following all of the Rotowire socials. Uh, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on all of it. We really appreciate the support. Uh, new shows coming every single day of the regular season, as I mentioned before, and we just really appreciate everyone tuning in. Have a great week, and we will see you next time.